change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to the emotional bit. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, what's the show called again, Mike? Podsky Wee Wee. Welcome to Podsky Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. I'm Mike Graham. So, have you cried at all this week, Mike? Oh, my God. So much. But it's good to let it out sometimes, Josh. You know, it's not a bad thing, right? I I, I cry watching wrestling sometimes, dude. I cried when Cody Rhodes showed up at WrestleMania. Like, for real? As I get older, I get you know you get a little bit more emotional, right? Yep. And I, I've been like I walked, I'll be listening to a song, and it'll be like a really good song. It'll make me like tear up. I'll yeah. Like, this is so good. I don't know why. No, oh, there's it's nothing wrong with that, man. Dude, ever the, okay? True story. I didn't used to cry at movies at all. And you want to know mm-hmm. what movie made me start to like get emotional about like attachment to story and like attachment to characters was Transformers. Like the, oh, which one? The original the, the, one? The very first. No, no, not not the cartoon. No, not the cartoon. The yeah, Michael, yeah, yeah. The, the first Michael Bay movie. There's the scene in yeah. that when Optimus Prime transforms into mm-hmm. like the robot, like out of the truck into the robot version and like bends down to Shia LaBeouf and go, my name is Optimus Prime. Like I saw that in theaters and I welled up because it's like, <laughs> oh, I, this is everything I wanted as like five-year-old me would be screaming right now that he's seeing this yes. on the big screen and. Ever since then, it's like I watch a movie, and if I get like super invested in it, doesn't matter how bad, how good, I, like the ending. Uh, have you seen Toy Story three? Yeah, yeah. When they're like uh, about to burn or whatever. No, I think I've seen so, that. No, that no that that's in that, but that's the scene that everyone. But I I go to the the other one, the scene okay. after that. I might cry okay. talking about because I don't think I've ever told this story without getting, without being an emotional, emotional bitch. Quite honestly. <laughs> um, there's the scene when Andy takes the toys to the little girl's house at the very end and he plays with them for the last time. Right. And it's the, yes. it's everything that those toys wanted and it. Like they, all they wanted because at the very beginning of the movie, you, mm-hmm. you see like buzzes in the, in the toy chest and he brings the cell phone hoping that Andy will play with them. And then that's when you find, Oh my God, Andy's like 18 years old and right. all they wanted throughout the entire movie, like just one last time for our kid to play with us. And he mm-hmm. plays with them, and they have this good time, and he drives away, leaving the toys there. And then, you know, Woody sits up, and, like, they, they're all so sad, and he just goes, oh, how, like, goodbye, partner. And it's like, I just lose it. <laughs> like, absolutely lose it every single time. And I love, like, that's one of my favorite movies, Toy Story 3. I love those Toy Story movies, like, you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. But that third one guts me every single gotcha. time. So It got you good. So, yeah. So, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's uh, it's good to... uh to get a little te- teary-eyed. So and, uh, our, our person that doesn't like us, he was right. We are. I guess we uh, are. Emotional bitches, yeah. I don't yeah. think about we'll, football, we'll though. Do we get really okay. emotional about football? Like, I mean, we get angry sometimes, and I, I know that, angry. Um, that we get, like, we did. I was a little bit emotional after the Grey Cup this year, but yeah. um, I was just more of, like, a numbness more yeah. than emotional, you know? Yeah, and that happens. I mean, that shows you still care. It shows you still have a heartbeat, yeah. I think. That, uh, exactly. That's what matters. Um, before we get into it, I, I do have to share a story. Um, if you follow us on Instagram or follow me on Twitter, you'll have seen a picture I posted of myself at the Forge FC game this past Saturday with none other than Simone Lawrence and new Ticat Alden Darby. And what a weird story this is, honestly. If if you follow me on Twitter, you saw it's like Simone sent out a tweet saying he's going to the game. And I quote tweeted being like, oh, cool. Like Hove's in the house. Like, that's awesome. And then he's like, big fan? Like, I, sh- I got to buy you a beer? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, okay, this is like, because we we've, we've been following each other on Twitter ever since I sort of got his back against, like, the Rod Peterson thing, like, when he called him a thug oh, and, like, yeah. took his side in the whole, like, you know, because, yeah. I mean, as much as I love Simone, it's not hard to take 
anyone's side against Rod Peterson. But ever since then, we, you know, he's followed me. We've, you know, not, again, we're not friends or anything, but there's been, like, tweets back and forth. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then he's like, oh, I'll get you a beer. And I was like, okay, that's, and I'm thinking, like, okay, like, that's something he says. Like, he's, he's a nice guy. And, like, if it doesn't, if it happens, cool. If it doesn't happen, no big deal. And then I'm at the game. And I'm, uh, it's, it's halftime at the game and I'm just checking my phone and he sends me a tweet. He's like, where are you at? So I send him my seat number and I'm sitting there watching the game and about 20 minutes goes by. And then all of a sudden I see a fist with a beer right in my face. I turn and I go, holy shit, it's actually you. <laughs> and then Alden Darby, I'm like, oh my God. And he, Alden Darby's like, oh, I, uh, I'm Darby. I was like, oh, I know who you are, sir. Like, oh, this is cool. You know? And we just kind of, you know, shot the shit for, I don't know, five minutes or so. Asked him, like, because he's, he's up in hand. I was like, Did, were you all here the entire offseason? I guess he said he came back up in March. He's got a place out in Grimsby. Maybe I'm telling too many stories here. People are going to go, like, doxing him and trying to find where he, where he lives out in no, Grimsby. He, but he's, put, he's put it out there. Has he? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah like, just sat there, you know, shared a beer with, with the two of them and uh, got a picture that I, that was cool, put out there, and then they, they went on their way. I went on mine, and I don't know, just, uh, it, like, I know people say like only in the CFL could stuff like this happen. And then I, I've always been kind of like poo-pooing that, but let's be honest. Simone Lawrence is maybe the greatest high cat of his era. Um, up there. More than likely. Like he's, he's like a defensive player of the year award and a gray cup championship away from a lock for the hall of fame. Like, could you imagine if you were like, um, like I'm a 49ers fan. Like this would be like being a 49ers fan in the mid eighties, being at another pro sporting event in San Francisco and Ronnie Lott shows up right. and, and has a beer with you or like you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, right? Like this would be like, you're at a, uh, you're at a, I don't know. You're, you're in Montreal for a, uh, an Alouettes game and like Vincent Domfus or like Kurt Mull. Oh, like, you know what name. I mean? Like that's a good name. Vincent Domfus. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, it's not, he, yeah. like, or, you know, but with Simone Statue, like Patrick Waugh coming up to you right. and being like, yep. oh man, I like here, let's share a beer and have a five minute conversation. Like it is kind of an only in the CFL thing where like a, totally. a guy who's going to go down as one of the greatest ever is, is out, out and about having beers with fans. Like it's insane. Yeah, it is. It is insane. It really is. And if you equate it to any other sport, I just can't see. It blows your mind. Yeah, it would be possible. So it, you know, people sometimes use only in the CFL in a negative manner towards mm-hmm. the CFL, but this is one of the positives that you could say only in the CFL for sure. It's like, uh, you know, a long time ago at the Grey Cup in 2007, I was at uh, one of the afternoon uh, like parties, like the I think it was like the family zone type of thing. And there was a flag football tournament going on, and I had a Dave Dickinson jersey on. Don't hate me for that, but I was a Dickinson fan back in the day. And uh, he was there, and he came up to me and started talking to me. He's like, oh, I missed that number because there was, I think it was a Stan Peters jersey, and he was in BC at the time. So, you know, it's just that sort of thing happens in the CFL. You know, Damon Allen was around, too. He's talking to people. And, like, you know, players that are, like, the tip of the iceberg in the CFL, Hall of Fame guys, um, you know, a large portion of them are down to earth and we'll come talk and, and, you know, have a conversation with you. Yeah. It's like, I haven't met like outside of like meet and greets where like the team does stuff. I've met a handful of tie cats. Like I remember one time Marwan Hage was, uh, was injured and wasn't playing. And me and my friends were staying, this was at old Iverwind stadium. And we used to go in and we'd stand at the back of the end zone and we'd watch like the guys warm up. We get there super early and he just comes over with a hot dog and just starts talking to us. Like out of nowhere. And it's like, I, I just, it, like I said, like you think about this in the context of other sports leagues, like imagine going to a T like I, I'm just using examples. Like you're going, you go to a TFC game and you, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Comes up and you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it just, it, it, it blows your mind in a way that these guys are so approachable in the fact that like these are some of the best athletes like in the world. Like I mm-hmm. you can say what you want, but it's like this is Simone Lawrence, the guy that's been playing professional football for nearly a decade. Like Alden Darby just won a Grey Cup champ was a major key member of a Grey Cup champion. Like it's it it shouldn't feel this surreal, but yet at the same time it does. Does that yeah, make absolutely. sense? Absolutely. And you know, I wish T S N and the CFO would find a way to you know, better market some of these star players that are so down to earth. You know, it would be nice. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it. Simone Lawrence, one of those guys. He's just he's so he's so gregarious, friendly. Like mm-hmm. he's just in a. Seems like he's a 
in a good mood like all, all the, time. the time which yeah. i am like i wish i could do like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i envy that as well um okay enough fawning over one of the all-time greats and uh one of the tie cat newcomers let's uh let's actually get into some news here um not a not a ton to talk about the reason we've been on hiatus for basically two months is there hasn't really been a whole lot of i think worthwhile tie cats news they've signed some players here and there i mean we saw i think between now and then brandon Banks signed with the argos and I mean, what else can you really say about that other than yuck? Um, but the Ticats did make some changes. Well, not changes, but they made uh, some, I don't know, what would you say, alterations maybe to the coaching staff. Um, we know that uh, Jeff Reinbold has departed to become the special teams coordinator in Montreal. They just promoted uh, Craig Butler to that role in Hamilton. That makes sense to me. But the interesting thing is just recently they re-signed uh, offense coordinator Tommy Condell and defense coordinator Mark Washington to, I believe, two-year extensions and also handed them assistant head coach titles. So now we have uh, the head coach in Orlando Steinhauer, who's also the, what is he, the vice president of football operations. Now we have these two guys, Condell and Washington, as assistant head coaches. We have, I think, three or four assistant general managers. A lot of people get an assistant thrown in their title around these parts, no? Yes, it it, uh, it seems so. They're just uh, they're handing them out like candy. <laughs> maybe it's a way to they won't get poached by another team for you know yeah, what i mean like I mean, yeah it's throwing them a little extra bone right yeah it's, um, that's what i think is happening anyways it's it's very peculiar it's um it's unique to the hamilton tiger cats i'll say that mm-hmm. and uh i don't like i said on on twitter from the podcast account i don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing i just i'm not sure i mean Hire the people that you think are going to move your franchise forward. If you want to give them assistant in their title, that's all good with me. So how do you feel about both these guys coming back? Like, I, I like both of these guys. Um, you know, I think they do a good job overall. Uh, Tommy Condell, I have a little bit of questions about him. He, you know, the offense hasn't wasn't very good at all in 2019. Or, sorry, in uh, well, like 2019, year. 2019, yeah, they yeah. were awesome. Yeah, 2021. Um, and that, you know, there could be many factors in that. The offensive line wasn't that great, but I just felt like there wasn't a ton of creativity. I think that, you know, there's been, I mean, I, I watched a video with um, Duncan and JC talking about, I think it was an Alberta um, coach. Uh, yes. The Golden Bears coach. The one that blamed that, all the offensive woes on Mark Tressman. There you go. Um, and I, I've, I've said that for years. Like, I think that too many coaches are adapting his philosophy of this check down dink and dunk offense. And it's just, uh, you know, the defenses are figuring it out. And I don't understand why offensive coordinators aren't making adjustments because it wasn't just last year. I mean, the offense has been like overall in the CFL has been on a downward trend for, for many years, I think. And, and it's partially because of that system that's been in place and no creativity from the offensive coordinators. I mean, does no one want their own stamp on their own offense? It just, it boggles my mind that these guys have jobs when they don't make adjustments. So you know what I, you know what I think. We're going to get into an analytics thing here, and I hate doing okay. that because I'm not anti, I'm not an anti-analytics guy. Like I get time and place and and ball control and all that other sorts of stuff. But what I've noticed in, it's in football in general, but it's a lot more prevalent, I think, in the CFL. Is there's been such a turn towards you can't turn the ball over. And I get it, you don't want to turn the ball over, but it's become so ingrained that it's like the worst possible thing you can do is turn the ball over. And if you look back at the CFL 25 years ago, no one gave a crap about turning. Danny McManus, I'm pretty certain, has more career interceptions than career touchdown passes, and he's in the Hall of Fame. He has an MOP. You know what I mean? Like Everyone's become so afraid of chances that Mm -hmm. they take... That's what kind of takes the fun out of the game. Like, this is not a, an NFL-CFL comparison, but if you look at that, and it's it's one of my favorite games of the last frig, maybe ever, that Bills-Chiefs playoff game that happened in January, that very end where they're just going shot for shot, did that not remind you of a 1994? Like, couldn't that have been Doug Flutie going up against yeah. Damon Allen? Like, yeah, just there, there's three minutes left, and all of a sudden it's like they scored how many points in the final three minutes? Like... Because those guys were, you have excellent players just executing at a high level and not being afraid to take a chance. 
teams were going for it on fourth down. They were taking, you know, throwing the ball deep. It's it's become. I think teams have become so like they're so well coached that it's taken kind of that exciting element out of it. That like a gunslinger mentality, and it's like because because Jeremiah Masoli, perfect example. What was the knock on him? He's oh, we don't he throw too many interceptions, but it's like. Yeah, and that pisses you off, but at the same time, it's like, at least he's trying to make something happen. Right, like, and he'll, he'll throw a couple interceptions, but he'll throw for 300-plus yards. Too. Yeah. And he's, he's bombing the ball. You know, and I thought that when June Jones came into the league, our offense was, was cooking. And, I mean, in 2019, we did really well, too. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, Tommy Condell was in charge of that offense, and we did really well. Um, but I think you're right. I think there, there's a lot of issues why the offense is down, but I think that the coaching, you know, not willing to go for it. Yep, is a big problem. I mean, listen, I was coaches watching... are coaches are becoming too safe. Yeah, and I don't get it. It seems like it's only in the CFL too, because south of the border, coaches are taking chances. Yep. I even I was watching the friggin' USFL on the weekend. They were going for it on like fourth and six, and I'm not, you know, obviously the CFL is a higher quality football than the USFL. I'm not comparing it to that, but I'm just saying. Like there seems to be a more aggressive mindset now down south than uh, what we're doing up here. Yeah, it's almost as if the the two leagues have kind of like switched, right? Switched places because that used to be the the knock on the NFL. It's like oh, all they do is run the ball and running backs rule the day and you know three yards in a cloud of dust. And it's like it's obviously that's not the case in the CFL because they don't have the three downs to run the ball. But it's like it is. It's the it's the jet sweeps. It's the the hit Anyways, screens. How did we get on this again? We were even talking about this a lot. Yeah, we would like, get to the offense thing, uh, uh, problem. And we were talking about Condell. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, he, he this is a bounce back year for him. I think hopefully he has uh, put together a, a really exciting offense that we can be proud of and because you know the defense was a strong part last year, and the offense really struggled. Like most of the year, really struggled. Even in some of the playoff game, like the Toronto playoff game, we really struggled in the first half. And then Dane came in, and we know what happened after that. But, uh, yeah, I think that he will have a bounce back here, and uh, we'll be proud of this offense again. Well, and the excuses are out the window now. Like everyone uses, oh, it's COVID season. It's a shortened season. The guys had a year off, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. That That's out the window now. We've played a full season. We're getting a full training camp, a full off season. Like we're back to – dealing with COVID, but as normal as we can get. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't... They're going to play an 18-game schedule. It's like everything's back to the way it was three years ago. So if it doesn't work this year, maybe maybe having a two-year contract... uh, I mean, contracts can be broken, so it's not that big a deal. But I don't know. If uh, if it doesn't work out, maybe we'll be looking at someone new in 2023. Yeah, maybe. And when you go to um, Mark Washington on the defensive side of the ball, once again, I think... You know, we led the league in in rush defense last year, and and the defense was really solid until the end of the games. You know, yep. sometimes you know we, they did been falling apart at end of games. We've done well, not every game, obviously. You know, we won, you know, more than we lost last year. But uh, I just noted, you know, there's that Montreal game where they came back, and then there's a Toronto game where they came back, and then there was the Grey Cup game where we were out by nine. Um, with less than 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they came back again. So um, I like Mark Washington. I like, uh, you know, what he does for the defense, you know, the plan he puts forth. But I just think he needs to buckle down on end of games. You know, he needs to figure that out. Well, how how would you have felt, how would you have felt about last season if those two games you mentioned, mentioned in the regular season that they lost in the last two minutes, if they would have won? Now we're talking about a team that finishes 10-4. and four. They were first place in the East. They would have gotten the bye to the East final. Like we're we're having a different conversation. Even if they would have lost, still lost the Grey Cup. But let's say they hold on to the lead there. Like we're having a much different conversation this offseason than well, they were eight and six, barely above five hundred. They couldn't get it going. Like we're probably ignoring the offensive woes if they if they pull those three games out where the defense the defense yeah. holds at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, because ten and four that's a that's a hell of a record. And yeah, you know, I mean, what the didn't the Bombers finish problems. eleven and three? Like yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, so, ten and four, and and do you remember when we hired Mark Washington? When the Tigers hired Mark Washington, how like eh, you you were so you're very not wishy washy, but kind of mm-hmm. like his team his defense at BC were okay, but they weren't great. Yeah, then he comes here, the pack, I and he but he for aside from the end of game scenario, which I will agree with, 
his defense have been for the two years he's been here have been excellent. Like they were yeah. easily yeah. the best defense in 2019, and they were a pretty darn good defense in 2021. So I don't know if it's he's got better players here or if he's adapted something. But he's turned into one hell, like he went from a, a a good defensive coordinator to a really good defensive coordinator during his two years here. So I'm 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 kind of glad he's he's staying around. That continuity yeah, helps great. too, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, I think he's you know one of the top two or three defensive coordinators in the league now. So um, I'm glad he's back too. Yeah, it'll be like we'll we'll have to see what he does with the defense because uh, one day before the season starts, you and I are going to break down the roster and. Right, I tried to do a hell of a roster on that defense, man. Woo. Yeah, especially that secondary. There's, uh, oh if you count God. the same linebacker spots, there's seven guys for six positions, and I don't really know how they're going to, uh, how they're going to do it. But uh, you know what? Better to have too much talent than not enough, right? Like Absolutely. just ask the Ottawa yep. Red Blacks last couple of years. They they would kill to have the the problem of too many good players than than what they had the last couple of seasons. Uh, okay, so that's all we got for Ticat stuff. But there's been a lot of other rumblings and chatter and discussion around the CFL, mostly regarding changes to the rules. And there's some that have gained some traction that look like they might take hold. Uh, Naturalized Canadians moving the hash marks, perhaps even changing where the kickoffs are located. We'll get to all that in a second. But first, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, Mike, and that's four downs. For the last, I mean, ever since kind of they talked about the XFL thing the four that's when the four downs started really rumbling like oh the cfl if they merge with the xfl we're going four downs yada 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 <laughs> and then this past off season there was you know first it was a rash Danny reporting that genius sports said that they want the cfl to go to four downs that's been refuted and then basically ambrosi kind of said that it was never a thing and then Arash comes back and said you took a vote on it and do we do we agree that four downs was definitely discussed like I, th- I think every no matter how you feel about the commissioner or how you feel about Arash Danny, I think it's fair to say that four downs was definitely discussed. No, yeah, I totally. I think that you know we've known that that's been on the table for since last Grey Cup. You know they talked about it. I think Farhan and and Naylor talked about it quite a bit. Um, the four down twins and uh, yeah, so I think it was on the table. I think they took a vote. I just don't know if uh, Eugenius Smart sports was pushing the idea but that that doesn't really matter that's the kind of immaterial that, right like yeah, yeah maybe 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 that's not correct but like at the end of the day the crux of what it is the cfl is discussing moving to four downs is what matters right which which i don't have a i think that they should look at everything i think yeah. there's there should be a review of the game every single year because you know that's what um pretty much every sports league does you know they want to make the game better every single year and i think that should be um a thing but um I'm glad they shut it down. I was surprised to hear that Calgary voted yes on the four down thing. Um, but I'm glad we're moving forward as a three down league because look, I, I'm not opposed to some rule changes, but I just don't see how that would benefit the league or anyone involved. I don't think it's going to bring in any new viewers. If it, you know, the people that don't watch the CF already probably not going to watch it if it's four down football or five down football. So I just think that um, we can move on from this and uh, kind of never talk about it again. This is a three-down league, and that's how it's going to be going forward, I think. All right. So I I feel the, the thing is, and I always think back to, and we're going to, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Podski episode if we didn't get some wrestling references in here. Um, mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff, you know who Eric Bischoff is, obviously, former head mm-hmm. of World Championship Wrestling. And when I was a guest on uh, the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast, I brought this up. He said that when he was creating Monday Nitro, that he sat down, he's, he had a formula, and the first thing he said was, we can be, you, you, have, you have three choices. You can either be better than your competition, lesser than your competition, or different than your competition. And he came up with, well, I can't be better than the WWF at what they do, and I don't want to be less than what they are, so I have to be different. And with the CFL, if it went to four downs, it's just a lesser version of something that's already better. You know, like the like whether you like the NFL or not, the NF- NFL is the premier and will always be the premier four down football league in the world because they have the money, they can attract the best players. They, you know what I mean? Like that's how that's going to go. If the CFL wants to carve out its niche in the sporting public, being different is what they need. And three downs is one of the most unique. Three downs, twelve men, and the wide field. That's what mm-hmm. makes the CFL unique. If you're you can tinker with stuff and I'm all for tinkering. Like I, I, I would like to see, I, I'd like to get your opinion. I got a couple ideas of maybe rules. I'd like to see maybe changed a little bit, but 
to take the CFL from what it is to a four-down league, I don't think it adds $1 to anyone's bank account. I don't think you add one new fan. And any fan you would gain, if you did, you'd probably alienate 10 to gain that one. Mm -hmm. And people who don't watch or like the CFL now are not going to tune in because even if they say, oh, if the CFL was four downs, I'd watch, bull. They would come up with another excuse as to why not to watch it, and it wouldn't make a damn bit of difference. So to me, the four down thing, if the CFL went to four downs, would I still watch it? Yeah, because why not? I like football, three downs, four downs. It doesn't matter. But all of this four down stuff just and especially because it was so like clandestine like no one knew what exactly was being discussed and you had guys like Naylor and Farhan who were like oh fans like you're you're blowing this out of proportion or you know what I mean like Naylor's been harping on CFL fans are resistant to change and it's like just because they're anti four downs doesn't mean they're resistant to change like do you think baseball fans would be pro four strikes for a strikeout like mm-hmm. you're, at, you're you're changing something fundamental about the sport that they love if you're going to do that, it's got to be for a pretty damn good reason. Now, if someone came out and said the CFL moves to four downs, they'll gross a billion dollars next year. Guess what? I'm jumping on board the four down train. I don't give a shit about downs. If the CFL could that could be that prosperous, mm-hmm. but I just don't see that being. I don't. I don't see that being the case. So, if you're going to fundamentally change the thing that we love for next to no impact, it seems stupid to me. Yeah, I think I think who he's talking about is you know the hardcores obviously, but I think there's a couple things that they will not you know budge on, which you know it, which is downs, um, and, and maybe maybe just a couple the downs and the rouge. I don't think because yeah. I tested those waters. People do not. I mean, people love the rouge. I don't get. Um, the, I don't get why people love the rouge though. Neither do I really. I, and you know this. And I was yeah. going to say the ratio, but. You know, people aren't as uptight about the ratio as I thought they might be, but there's still a lot of resistance to it. Don't get me wrong, but but I don't think you know the the rules that are being the rule changes that are being proposed right now. I don't see a lot of pushback from that. No, like, and and in fact, I've seen a lot of like, oh, well, let's give this a try. Yeah, exactly. But you know, the the down thing is a, like like a fundamental change to the game it's not just a little tweak it's it, it's a huge change yeah. so um they shouldn't act like it's not no and that, and like i said that's if you're going to make that type of drastic change to the rules it's got to be for a damn good reason mm-hmm. and just to change for the sake of, well everyone else plays four down so we should too that's not good enough for me is that like some kind of like glow like the, the like deep within the plans that they want to play a game against the XFL or something like that, like to get universal rules. Because I noticed this, like the CFL doesn't really have the option of stepping up in competition and playing them. Like, like say for, for example, the CPL, right? Mm-hmm. They play everyone within the CPL, but then they get to go like Forge. They played some team in Mexico this yep. year, right? Yep. They played so, the, so, the best team in the region. Yeah, that happens. Right. So that's exciting for people. That's yep. the thing that the CFL Even if they lose have. and they, and they got their asses kicked, but people right. were like, they scored a goal at Azteca. They they had a one nil lot. Like it still yeah. gets people excited. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. So the CFL doesn't have that option of no. stepping up in competition. They just don't. And like, I think that's what's missing. Kind of like, I think this even the CEBL can do that. They can step yep. up to competition. But the football's not like that. And I think that would be a good thing for the CFL. They could if they could do that. But then you know the rules are so different that they're kind of stuck where they are. Right. Okay. Let's be honest. Who? Okay, so Forge FC is playing Edmonton FC. Okay, what's more exciting, playing Edmonton FC or playing Azteca? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. so it, it, it's tough. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no chance of that happening, and people don't get excited about a Grey Cup championship. They're like, ah, who cares? You know what yeah. I mean? It's nine teams, and that's that's a that's a problem for the CFL, I think. That's a that's a point I hadn't thought about to be quite honest with you, because yeah, there is no, because, and and the thing is too, like when the CPL teams are like when forge played that Mexican team, that's in champions league. Like, and and maybe this, maybe it's just because of soccer. Like they, obviously there's champions league in Europe and there's every continent has multiple leagues and teams and they're able to, you know, lesser teams play better teams and all that other sorts of stuff. Um, it is kind of a uniquely soccer thing, although you did bring up the the Canadian basketball, the Canadian League basketball league, and that I think the Edmonton team has been playing some continental 
mm-hmm. stuff too. That doesn't really exist with football. Like no, and and even if it did, like let's say you know, like way back in the day, the Tie Cats would play the Bills. It's an exhibition game that even doesn't if they mean... played it, no one would really care. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's soccer is totally different, and, and yeah. even basketball to an extent, because it's such a global sport. Yes, and there's you know respected leagues all around the world. Yeah. So, um, and people, yeah, and this, and point. this is what I've noticed as a fan of the CPL, is that I don't get the territorialism that you see with football, like. You know how there's like the there, there's like your your fervent CFL fans who say they hate the NFL, and then there's your fervent NFL fans who say they hate the CFL, and then there's you know, I think I would say the majority of us that kind of reside in the middle. We watch the NFL, we watch the CFL, we'll watch a little Canadian college if we can. We watch some NCAA, like like you and I. We watch like I don't know how much Canadian football, Canadian college football you watch. I don't watch a ton. I'm sure you don't watch a ton either. It's hard to find. But I watch the NFL, you watch the NFL, we obviously both watch the CFL, and I know we both watch college football, because you and I were tweeting about gambling on college football, texting each other last last fall. So, like, as football fans, we like to watch all football. And what I've noticed with um, the CPL fandom is there's not that, like, even, and I, I, work, I work with British guys who, like, who, who are, like, they cheer for Arsenal, and they cheer for Liverpool, and they've... They've watched like Portuguese guys who like like these are people who grew up in soccer culture. They watch a Forge game and they go, "Yeah, okay, it's not Manchester United, but it's mm-hmm. still soccer." And they don't yeah. and they don't they don't get that sort of like pissing contest where it's like, "Well, if it's not the best, then it's not good enough." I don't know why that happens with football fans. Do you think it's easier to spot in football than say soccer or hockey or basketball? You know the difference in talent. Because it's so organized and every play has to be, you know, perfectly run. And, and you know, with hockey, it's just put the thing in the net. Or yeah, soccer, soccer you know, put, the put the thing in the, the net. net. Basketball is put the thing in the net. Yeah, you maybe. Know, I don't know. Maybe. That's but just but the thing is, like, I can watch uh, a CPL game and I can then watch an MLS game and then I can watch an English game and then I can watch right. a German game. And you can tell the difference. Okay, like that's fair. It, it so. like if you watched, I know you're not a soccer guy, so I'm not going to try to get you to watch soccer. But if you watched any of the like the team can't like Canada's run to the qualifying for the World Cup, and it's like you're watching some of these guys, you go, oh, this is what world like. I love my local stuff, and these are right. good talented players. But this is this is this is totally like you you watch these guys do things with the ball and how fast they are, and it's like yeah. oh, this is a completely different level. But I understand what you're saying too. At the end of the day, the game is so fundamental; it's kick the ball. That yeah, even even at the worst level, you can get there's still some excitement there. And sometimes when there's disparities in talent, you get more exciting. It's more exciting in in those sports because it's like it's back and forth. And and because it's a game where it's like it's not like football. Like if you have one team that's truly good and truly awful, it's one of the worst like football when it's a gigantic blowout in a game that you don't either have like a financial investment or a cheering investment in, it's one of the worst things to watch. There's nothing worse than, than like, even though we had a, a rooting investment, that 60 to one loss to the, to the stamps all those years ago was like, I don't even think people who watched that and were cheering for Calgary were enjoying it. Like, it's just boring. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you can watch a soccer match between two teams that might not be as talented. And it's still, one team still has 50% of the possession and they're still making their way down the pitch. And, I think it's just – I don't know if there's a possible way to make that equivalent in football. I just think it would be too hard. Yeah, and maybe, you know, like you said, when there's various degrees of talent on the field, sometimes it can make it more interesting. And maybe that's what this – you know, if you equalize the Canadians on each side of the ball, maybe that's something that will happen for the CFL. You know, not load all the Americans on the defensive side of the ball, and maybe we'll get uh, some more fireworks on uh, on offense. So that's a perfect segue into talking about the ratio. What do you make of the the idea you just ponder, you, you just prospered there with putting equal number of Canadians on both sides of the ball? And what do you, how do you feel about the the naturalized Canadian? Where what it looks like it's going to end up being is Americans who have, I think it's three years with one team or four years in the league can count towards now I no one knows if it's going to be they can take the place of a Canadian or if it's going to be its own right. special category but this idea of sort of a naturalized Canadian what do you think about both those ideas it seems like I you're like in favor that. of the on each side yeah I am in favor on each side because I just think that the trend right now is to load up um, the Americans on the defensive side of the ball yeah put four put four dudes. Canadians put four Canadians on the offensive line 
yep. and, and stick a, a token Canadian at receiver. And then you just mm-hmm. got to worry about two Canadians on defense and you yeah. got 10 Americans on defense. Yeah, and that, maybe that's, that's the reason why the defense are ahead of the offenses too. Yeah, just that saying. could be a big, I think, yeah, I think that's a part of it. Um, you know, because those check downs, you have to make at least one person miss mm-hmm. on defense and, and they're talented dudes on that side of the ball right now. So um, I think the equalization, you know, three and three or four and three or whatever it is, I like that idea. Um, and uh, the uh, naturalized Canadian, I like that idea too. I think the pe- team's players should be rewarded for staying with the team or staying in the league for a certain amount of time, you know, because listen, I, I still want the ratio. I like the ratio. I like Canadians playing in the Canadian Football League. But I get the argument that players, American players that might see themselves, you know, I'm I'm better than this guy. Like, why is this guy getting two hundred thousand dollars and I'm only getting one hundred thousand? Like, I, I understand that point of view, even though that I don't agree with a lot of stuff that these players are saying. Um, I agree with them on that. So it, it, I know it's a touchy issue, but uh, I'm I'm for the the naturalized Canadian and the equalization as well. I, I just wish that the the threshold for the naturalized Canadian would be a little higher. And yeah, I fair. think, and I think I would keep it to with the same team more so than being in the league. Like, I think I, I put it like five years with the same team and maybe eight years in the league because guys can come in and bounce from team to team to team. And the whole yeah. point of doing this is to keep guys in the It's, it's a way to keep roster continuity. It's in, and if you're going to reward teams for keeping guys, it, it gives teams an incentive to keep a guy longer and to not, you know, yep. just go year to year to year to year. And basically everyone, everyone becomes a mercenary. So I, I'm for the idea and I, but I would just like that threshold to be a little higher because three years is sometimes the span of a dude's career. And you can think of like, let's think of some guys I'm trying to think of some guys off the top of my head that like, Jovan Santos Knox is about to enter his second year with the Ticats. So after next season, like the 2023 season, if he would stayed, he'd count as a naturalized Canadian. Whereas a guy like Simone Lawrence in that same season, if he stays, would be entering like his 10th year with the Ticats. Like it feels like they shouldn't be viewed at the same level at that point. Like one guy's made like this is a second home for one guy. And one guy, like maybe he's made, he's building his roots here, but it just feels like that the, the idea of three years just to me feels way, way, way too low. Yeah, I can get behind that. I, I'd bump it up to maybe five years with the same team or something like that. Something in that range. Yeah. But yeah. Because you're right. The whole point of this is trying to, you know, get fans to buy jerseys. Yep. Um, so, you know, that they know aren't going to take off next year. I mean, I know how that feels. I thought Dylan Wynn, I mean, he was a free agent this year. I just bought his jersey. And I was like, oh, crap. Now I know what everyone's talking about. But mm-hmm. luckily for me, he re-signed. And uh, I don't have to worry about that. So um, it's it going to be interesting to see in this next CBA how this all plays out. Because I'm not sure. But there was talk about maybe, you know, allowing three naturalized Canadians or maybe adding three to the ratio. And you could, you could have three naturalized and then six, um, you know, uh, Canadians that were born in yep. Canada type deal. So... Uh, we're gonna have to see what how this all plays out. But do you? Because I still think there should be a ratio. I still think that there should be Canadians playing in the Canadian Football League. Um, yeah. There's a ratio in the CEBL. There's a ratio in the CPL. Like it's not like you have to start this many or anything like that. But it's like you have you, your own. It, actually, I know in the Canadian Premier League, it's you're only allowed to have a certain number of non-Canadians on the roster. Right. So I do think that there's something to be said for keeping Canadians in. The, the CFL and some, and like, I get the, the idea that like, I think maybe I just wish there was a way. I, I really don't know anywhere else, anywhere else to say Can you, CFL teams spend too much money on offensive linemen on Canadian yeah. offensive linemen. Like I love Chris Van Zyl. Chris Van Zyl is a great player. Chris Van Zyl should not be making as a right tackle twice as much money as a player like say Don Jackson, simply because he's Canadian. Like Don Jackson, yeah. like there there's, I wish there was a way that that I, I and I, you were talking about guys that you don't always agree with. We'll call a spade a spade. You're talking about James Wilder Jr. because he's been going off on Twitter about this. Mm-hmm. And the, the one tweet he put out there where he was saying he was talking to a GM and he's like, he said, "Oh, I asked for this amount of money." You're like, "Oh, you can't get that. You're not Canadian, but I'll get you a good deal for an American." It's like, should 
should interior offensive linemen be making more than starting wide receivers? Like, I don't think they should. Like, every player plays a role on a team, but just because a guy was born in Brampton doesn't mean he should be making more than a guy that was born in Long Beach. Because one guy... You, 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 went to, you go to games to see certain players, and as much as you and I love offensive line play, the vast majority of people don't give a goddamn who's playing along the offensive line. And yeah. the idea that, that teams could be spending $800,000 of their cap on the offensive line, it seems a little out of whack to me, and that's all because you have to have this many Canadians. Now, I mm-hmm. think if you were to equalize Canadians on each side of the ball— I think that would make a big difference because then you wouldn't have to. You it's like, oh, well, we want to load all up, 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 we'll load them all up on offense. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't be able to do that. So therefore, maybe that would bring down some salaries for Canadian offensive linemen, and maybe that would allow for more monies for some of the, for lack of a better term, skill position guys to kind of, kind of get paid as well. That's the thing. It's like, but as long as there's less, um, you know, high end Canadian players, I don't see how you change it right because you have to get those you have to get the most talented guys you can and there's only so many of them so it's like supply and demand right that you have to and the only yeah the only way you do that is by giving them more money yeah that's fair exactly so like i don't know how they change that i really don't it's um because i don't think it's fair that guys come up here and get paid less just because they're americans but at the same time i i I still like the ratio and i every you know uh, basketball leagues in in Europe and yep. like all over the world have ratios yep. in their leagues. So the only one is the Americans because they don't need one. But yeah, at the same time, it's say like I hear all this talk about how great Canadian football players is now, and it's like you know the the best age we've ever been in for that. But we still have a ratio, and it's basically saying that it's there because they're not good enough and they wouldn't get a chance without it, right? So if if we got rid of it, if it's if they're so good, wouldn't they make the team anyways? Like, I don't know. It's it's tough. It It's an interesting... It's one of those things where you can't really answer one way or the other, right? Like, yeah. You, if you get rid of the ratio, and then you'd be like, well, let's see. But then you've gotten rid of it, and there's no way of getting it back. Like, once, you, once you've gone down that road, you're not... It's not like they'd be like, okay, we're going to ditch the ratio, and it's just going to be the best two play. And then all of a sudden, it's like, there's two Canadians on each roster. It's like, oh, shit, what have we done? Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no one ringing that bell. But at the same time, it's like... And, and maybe and is it's, there a divide in locker rooms now, like with Americans and Canadians? I think yeah, there's got to be some hard feelings. I mean, like, I'm sure, I'm sure to some extent there is, but at the end of the day, I think they're just playing football, and I don't think that's anything that they really think about at the end. Because, like, it, look, if if the guys think they're being paid too little, they don't have to play. That's fair. Because and because here's the thing: there's there's no shortage of dudes. We see new players come up all the time, both Canadian and American. There's no shortage of players that want a chance to play professional football. So if it, if it becomes that much of an issue, like, and, and this is, and this is the sad reality of it, but it's really no different in day-to-day life. Everyone can be replaced. There's no mm-hmm. one that's irreplaceable. They'll find someone new. How many different running backs have the tie cats gone through since they had the, like the last truly great consistent running back this team had was probably Troy Davis. So yeah. we're talking 15 I mean, years, Gable would have, but, but he was always not, hurt. Not quite. Yeah. But he, he was, was always hurt. Right. How many yeah. different running backs have, has the tie cats cycled through over multiple owner, like not ownerships, but over multiple, you know, front offices, mm-hmm. multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators. And it's like, well, he was pretty damn good. He was pretty damn good. He like, you know what I mean? Like it, I understand where they're, where these guys come from, but some positions, unfortunately, are just they're they're a dime a dozen. It's easy to find the next guy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, obviously, obvious uh, offensive linemen are a little different, but um, yeah, you're right with running backs, receivers, all those guys. It's like you know, there's stars out there ready to be made in the CFL, and um, they can come in at any time and replace you. So it's uh, it's a tough situation. I understand it from both sides. Um, I wish it was different, but that's just the way the market is, right? It's just yep. how it is. Yep, it is just how it is. All right, hash marks, Mike. Moving the hash marks in, how do you feel? I, I like the idea. Anything that can get more offense, and, I, I, you know, some people don't want it to be changed at all, um, but I've, I've seen a lot of positivity towards this. Um, I think it's going to open up the one side of the field. There's going to be more plays to that side. You know, Braylon Addison, I saw his quote, saying that it could help the offense uh, quite a bit. Um, 
yeah, I just think anything that can increase offense and excitement, the excitement level in uh, in the CFL is a good thing. This feels like one of those rules where you try it. If it doesn't work, you can always go back. Like this yeah, doesn't. Exactly. This, this to me is not like a oh we've set it in stone and we can't. It's like you know what? What's what's the harm? What's the harm in giving this a go for a couple of years, seeing if it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't lead to an increase. Okay, well, why why was that? Um, I don't. To me, that this this feels like one of those easy ones that is. Like why why not why not just try that that's and how I one that like I didn't even like think of at all. Oh until, yeah, same here. Until I heard uh, I think it was Huffnagel that suggested it, and then I was like, oh, that could really open up some uh, opportunity for these offenses. So I like it. And if it makes that fifth wide side receiver not just a token Canadian decoy, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Because yeah, a if, if you want to play that as a Canadian receiver, that's cool. But now he's actually involved in the offense. But now you could also make that if you if you you know you swap your ratio. Now you can add another American receiver out there. Maybe that gives another guy who a chance to be. A, you know what I mean? Like if it's going to open up to where because we we talk about how the CFL is twelve on twelve, but offensively speaking, it's usually eleven on twelve, and it's usually eleven on eleven because that other the DB goes out with him, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it. It's, what's the point of having him out there? Is he's not being used, right? Well, what's the point of having the sixty-five yard wide field if you're not going to use it all? Yep. Like. We can talk about how oh the wide field and the and the the extra yard, but what's the point of having it if it doesn't get used? Like who cares? Like exactly, we big haven't deal. been using it at all. Like we've just been doing this dink and dunk West Coast yeah. stuff. For, you can only for... put your pecker so far in. You don't you don't need fifteen yeah. inches. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, changing the kickoff location. Oh, I like this too. Do I you? Mean, I sure. I mean, you know, you get the ball. Um, sometimes it's hard to. Just, and maybe, you know, with these hash mark changes, maybe we won't have this problem anymore. But, you know, getting the ball deep in your end in the CFL, it's tough to march down the field all the way to score a touchdown. So if you can get the ball, um, you know, it's, instead of bringing it back to the 30 or 35, if you get the ball at the 45, then um, I think that enhances the offenses, you know, chance of scoring points. I... You make you, okay, valid points. My thing with this though is, I would, if there were too many touchbacks on kickoffs, then I would be more inclined. And and this is weird coming for me because if 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 they do move it back, because I think that the talk is they move it back to the twenty five yard line from the thirty five yard line. If if this had been in play in the Grey Cup, the Ticats would have won the Grey Cup because they wouldn't have had the chance yeah. to kneel down in the end zone. They would have, you know what I mean. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's like. If teams get the ball at the 35 versus the 45, yeah, okay, yeah, it's an extra 10 yards. But, like, aren't we really just making it easier for the offense? Like, I feel like there needs to be some sort of resistance. Aren't we just kind of right. saying that, like, special teams aren't good enough? It's like, why not Why not try to coach up special teams to be a little bit better to get those? Because because we, it's not like we don't see kickoff return touchdowns or big kickoff returns. This one feels like it's one that if they do change it, I'm not going to, like, kick a fuss about. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like... I don't know. This one, this you don't one, think it's needed. This, yeah, this one to me just felt like, okay, yeah. fine. But if you don't do it, I'm, I think I'm more okay with it than if you do do it. But I don't care either way, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, I like the hash marks idea better than the. That to the me, I think that's table. the best one. Yeah. Um, but I also think that special teams play is a little overrated in the CFL. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people talk about how, you know, the explosiveness on, on punt returns and kick returns, but there's not that many, really. I mean, I bet if you took every punt and every kick, I bet you'd be a very small percentage that I gets think you're right for touchdowns or exciting plays. And and then even if there is an exciting player or a you're looking return, for a flag, most of the time there's a flag. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. Okay, I, they, they just got to figure out how to throw less flags in this league. They just do. Um, that's another thing that um, has really been hampering the game for many years now yep. is the amount of flags. I don't see this amount of flags in any kind of football I've watched. Like, I just don't. I don't understand, but that's another topic. I, th- I think it's, it's much like Rookie what we talked about like the offense, it's, up. It's, it's trying to be perfect. It's trying to get everything right. And I think we as fans sometimes – get to and don't get me wrong there's going to come a time this year where they're going to blow a call and you and I are going to be on here and I'm going to be frothing at the mouth mad that they buggered this up but at the same time you can always you know throw this back in my face you can come back to this episode and be like you said this in in April 
this this strive for perfection it's not supposed to be perfect on it's it's not like expecting perfection from the players from the referees like guys are going to make mistakes and i get that but like the preponderance of flags is i think referees trying to call everything like get a perfect score on this yeah yeah Yeah. and it's like that's 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 like that's not but like it's not possible no other leagues are they they grade their refs too it's like yeah it's weird it's it's a strange phenomenon just within the cfl world that i wish um wouldn't happen anymore because it just it it really ruins the game like i understand there's going to be penalties but like the amount uh, is like over 10 a team like come on guys yeah, when there's twenty to twenty five penalties per game total, that's way too many. That's yeah, way too for sure. Way too many. And like, I get it. If if a guy does something like egregious that you can't look past, mm-hmm. sure. But if you're Taylor Reed, barely grazing a guy in the back that takes back a punt return touchdown for to win the Grey Cup, yeah, I'm going to be a little ticked off about that. Yeah. Even when, even I, I heard about the holding. They're later. they're uh, reducing it to five yards, perhaps. What do you think of that? Oh, like holding on the offense? Yeah. yeah. Um. I kind of like it. I'm again. I think it's one of those things. Like, let's give it a try. If it doesn't yeah. work, if we find that it 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 it's too, makes things a little too easy, because the thing is, if you if you get holding, you get first and twenty. It's damn near impossible to get out of that hole. Yeah, it's really difficult to get. I mean, unless you're playing Hamilton's defense, where they seemingly once a game give up a, a twenty five yard conversion on second and eighteen. But um, yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of hard to dig out of that hole. I, yeah, try it. I mean, look. Unless you're going to fundamentally alter the like to me like I like I said at the at the start of talking about rule changes, the downs, the size of the field, the number of players in the team, and there being Canadians involved, those to me are the really the only four things that are in my view sacrosanct to the CFL. If you have those four things, everything else is window dressing. Give it all a shot. Try anything. Yeah, Throw it at the window and see if it works. If it doesn't work, we can come on here all season and rip into it about how it didn't work, and then maybe they change it. Like. The only thing with all of this this whole rules process that I would like to see is more transparency. Now I like to see more transparency at the league in general. Mm-hmm. But you the NFL does this. Like you mentioned other leagues, they 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 go through rule changes. The NFL does this where they literally send out like a memo, like these are the rules, this is the teams that proposed it, and this is when we're going to discuss it. Everything in the CFL is so friggin' cloak and dagger and shadows that it makes it hard to understand like what actually is gaining traction what could there be like if they came out and just said these are the seven items that we're going to discuss at a rule meeting and this is when the meeting is going to be and then we're going to come out a week later and tell you what we've decided to vote on and what's going to be in and what's out I, I don't see the harm in that no that would be nice that would be nice and uh and then we wouldn't spend three months of the off season just going four down screw that we hate what do you, you want yeah. four downs i hate you you're you don't you hate the you know what i mean like yep. it just causes this like division and friction of off ambrosi if he just yeah. would say what's happening yeah you know instead of I mean? talking out the two sides of his mouth yeah he's really he uh he really i know that uh he's not been the fan favorite um, over his tenure, but he's he's really starting to annoy me. I must say, comes off a bit like a used car salesman. He does. He tell does. he's telling you what you want to hear, but it's like just don't mm-hmm. tell us what. Like you're not in charge. The board of governors are in charge. You understand that, but mm-hmm. you're the face of that. Tell us what you're doing. If you if you just opened up, like I think a lot of people would forgive a lot of transgressions if they felt like they were being treated with honestly. You get honesty mm-hmm. out of someone, you can maybe not forgive them if they make a mistake, but at least you're like, well, you didn't lie to me. So there's that at least, you know what I mean? But all of this, like, and maybe this is part of the, maybe the league lets these things leak out because then they stay in the news more. Like maybe there's some nefarious purposes behind this as well. But do you think they're that smart? No, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. Like, I don't either. Unfortunately. It's, it's, it's like, it's like whenever I hear about conspiracy theories, like, oh, the moon landing was fake. It's like, okay, so they've held that in secret for 60 some odd years and yeah. no one has said anything. It's compartmentalized, man. Come on. Like, like, come on. It's compartmentalized. And did you not see the flag waving on the moon? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like any sort of conspiracy <laughs> theory that involves that many people and yeah. no one said anything, get lost. Yeah. Like, uh, just no. accept yeah, reality. Yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's like I just want some transparency. I want some more transparency in the league. I want like just if you tell me what's going on i'm i'm willing to go with you on a lot of these things like aside out of all the things we heard this offseason about changes to the rules the only one that i was actually steadfastly against 
was change the number of downs. Anything else, I'm I'm game. Go for it. Let's mm-hmm. if it works, great. We've made the game better. If it doesn't, we can always go back to the way it was. And I think that's the majority of CFL fans. I agree. Um don't use don't use Twitter as your no, Twitter is the hardcore Twitter tw- no. There's like I want to say I think I saw something that said like 7% of the Canadian population is on Twitter and mm-hmm. we 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 think it and that's not a lot. And we no. we use like online social media becomes such this like this is oh this is what people are thinking it's like this is what a very small number of people are thinking and and then you 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 go down through the like I I saw I think it, Naylor put out a tweet about a poll or something, and it was like two thousand respondents, and it's like right. Jesus Nothing. Christ, two thousand respondents that that w- are online responding to a tweet about the Canadian yeah. Football League. You know how many people actually watch the CFL? Like, that's a really really small group of people that you're catering to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I don't really trust any of these these so called polls. It's no. just uh, it's just not. It's not uh, trustable data, I don't no. think so. No, and it's not repeatable. But um, before we before we we go, uh, just, just one last thing on rule changes. Any any changes you'd like to see? N- something that hasn't been discussed, other than the rouge. We we, we uh, always talk about the rouge. Is there anything else that that would uh, would be sort of a rule change that you would you can think of? If not, we can move on to the uh, end of the show. I've thought about moving the uprights back to the back of the end zone, but it's it's such a you know the end zones are so big in the yeah. field that you'd have to get to like the thirty yard the, 20, the thirty the thirty yard line would be a fifty yard field goal. Yeah, so you know, other than that, I haven't really pondered um, any more changes. But uh, I like the ones they put forward, most of them, and uh, you know, it would be kind of nice to get the the uprights. You know, it just kind of looks silly but I, I just don't think it's feasible to put them at the back of the end zone yeah i always i always like the idea of like the idea of moving the uprights back i think the only way you do that though is if you shorten the end zones mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. like i said you get to the th- like you're kicking from the 30 yard line it's a 50 yard field goal mm-hmm. and that's not would that would that lead teams on third and two from the 23 to go for it and could that Maybe. open up more offense? But Maybe. Would there, be, would there be more punting? Because... Or would there just be? Or would there, we, we just get more bloody rouges because they just punted out the back of the end zone? Yeah, it's a tough. And we one. don't want that. I like. No. I know people love the rouge, but games of of teams. Could you like? I rip teams now for punting from like their own forty. Imagine what we do if it's like, oh, they're at the opponent's twenty three. They're punting. It's like, are you out yeah. of your goddamn mind? <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty silly. That'd be brutal. Anything. Uh... Anything you got racking around in your? No, in your you know what? Honestly, it was it was the moving the goalpost was the one I was actually going to bring up. Um, but like I said, it was like to do that, we'd have to make some. I think some changes changes to the field. Like maybe you shorten the end zones to fifteen yards. Maybe that could be like maybe there's a compromise there. I don't know. It just I think it's just. Uh, I think I think what we've got aside from like. Like I said, we're not going to talk about the rouge, but aside from making changes to the rouges that I think we've discussed in the show probably a half dozen times each already over the course of the mm-hmm. last seven years, um, there, yeah, there's really I think I think these are some good ones that they've come up with. So let's uh, let's go with those, see how they are, and in a year's time, let's see what we can tweak and make better then. Absolutely. So before we go, Mike, you wanted to discuss one new idea that you had been floating around in your brain. So why don't you tell everyone what you're thinking here? Yeah, well, you know, Pods Kiwiwi has been around since 2015. Uh, it's, it's a long time. Uh, it just flies by on you. I thought, you know, just yesterday we had our first episode, but uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool to get a Pods Kiwiwi Hall of Fame going, and I thought it would be a good idea to start it from when we started the show. So 2015 on, um, we'll put it. We'll, we'll induct one player each year. Uh, we'll put out a, a Twitter poll. Uh, of like four maybe five players that the fans can choose on and then each year we'll induct one guy so i think i think that would be a lot of fun just something else to add to the show i think it'd be good to do we could do it on the last episode of the year yeah you know what i mean like we could do and then we could talk about the guy's career what he's done uh so so on and so forth so are you thinking just high cap players is that is that where you're going for they Mm -hmm. more of like a tie cats sort of uh podcast hall of fame thing 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Um. And so they they have to have played from the team in 2015, and we discount any like if they played in 2012. Like let's say they played here from 2013 to 2017. Right. It's only the the years from 2015 to 2017 yes. that count. Yes. That's okay. correct. Okay. Because so, you know we could go back in history and we can induct a bunch, a bunch of guys, but. And they, they'd be well-deserving. Do not get me wrong. I am not disrespecting the past or anything like that. But I thought it'd just be cool to, you know, start from when we started. I kind of like that idea because, like, so every time I, I see or even if I write something on, like, the greatest of all time, the worst of all time, like, I like mm-hmm. to keep it confined to, like, my lifetime because yeah. it's not fair for me to go off anecdotal evidence or what other people said or, like, archival footage, like, knowing that I... I have my own two eyes and, you know, somewhat still my memory. And maybe I can go and find some video footage if I need to of what guys did. I think that that's more fair to judge people than like, like everyone says Angelo Mosca is the greatest high cat of all time. I never saw Angelo Mosca play. So I, well, I agree. Like that's, you know, Garney of the franchise for sure. Yeah. I don't know if he's the greatest high cat to play, but but even let's say he is, but let's, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like the the Bill Russell argument. Like he's the greatest Celtic of all time, but it's like how many people that are still alive today saw Bill Russell play. You know what I mean? Like I'll give you, okay. But if I was to ever do like the top 10 tie cuts, I would be like, Oh, I'll do the top 10 tie cuts of the last like 35 years, because it's only fair that I can talk about guys that I actually saw on the field versus yeah. Okay. You can have your Garney Henleys and your Bernie Filoni's and your, your Angela Mosca's and those guys on there, but it's, it's really hard to, to rank guys that you never saw play. And like that, that's why, you know, I think, you know, people who have, who are older than us that can, that have those, like that, that they're important people to like to connect with and talk to and all that stuff. But when you want to do it for your own, it's, I think it's easier to stick to a certain time frame where, you know, you feel comfortable being like, yeah. this is, you've seen them play game to game. Bingo. You know what he's all about. Yeah. You know, because like, that, cause stats, stats can stay stuff that like the eye test, Exactly. Like you can see a guy and go, wow, he had some really good numbers. But at the end of the day, you're like, but did, did he have, like, did he really That's play that well this season? Like, yeah, it's like, you know, a guy like, uh, in basketball, like Russell Westbrook, you know, mm-hmm. it's like he racks up the numbers and yep. everything, but you know, is he a great teammate? Did he make people better? You know, you have to look at the, it's not just that, right? 50 so. years from now, people are going to go, Russell Westbrook did like, that's holy. He must've been one of the greatest players ever. But like, yeah. if you watched him play, you're like, oh, he was damn good, but He's not, you know, one of the top 25 players in the history of the NBA. But if you look at just the pure numbers and it's like he averaged, you know, triple doubles up the wazoo when guys were like, there's two, there's two guys in NBA history who average a triple double in a season. Russell Westbrook, I think, has done it three times. Yeah. So, so. you know, yeah, like there's. That can be misleading for sure. Absolutely. So I, I think this is a good idea. It'll, it'll, it'll take a portrait of a period in time. Um, I think we got some great contenders. It's going to be interesting to see who. So I, what I'm here's what here's what I'm thinking. Then we'll do a poll online, mm-hmm. and that'll count for one vote. And yep. then e- you and I will each have one vote, and whoever gets and if if, the, if there if it comes down to maybe you vote for someone, I vote for someone, and the fans vote for someone different. Maybe we have to have a little debate on it. Maybe we maybe we have to bring in an outsider to break a tie. Like you know I like what I mean? It. Like, I like yep. well, yep. obviously we'll play with the idea throughout the year. But I think I think the I like the idea. I think it's a fun idea. Uh, it's a great way to get the listeners involved again this year. And I think it'll make for a fun end of the year where it's like even if the Ticats don't win the Grey Cup like they haven't in the past twenty plus years, it may maybe it'll give our. Uh, It'll give us a re- if if they have a heartbreaking Grey Cup loss again. It'll give us a reason to get back behind the microphone yeah. before oh, we got to hand out the <laughs> we gotta, first we, annual pods. We got to induct someone into the Hall of Fame. And, hey, who you know, knows? It's me- just you know, I, I'm doing this for the players too because I know that it's just it would be such a big deal for them hey. to be in the Podski Hall of Fame. So I mean, we're, we're not doing this for us, Josh. Nope. We're doing it for the players. And who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get it. We'll get the inductee on the show to talk for five or so minutes about about how how. Uh, just how truly blessed they feel to be yes. to be inducted into this <laughs> fictional, only in our oh. minds Hall of Fame. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, Mike, it was really nice to get back behind the mic. Let, let's not make it two months again because if we do that, the seasonal have started. So I mean, the hiatus. But the draft and that's coming. We got up the soon, draft so. coming up, and then believe it or not, uh, I mean, I I I will. Uh, I'm going to tease something here. 
I got I probably got some big news coming for everybody in regards to sort of my future, uh, the future of of the podcast. Uh, not not bad news. This is great news. Mike can attest. I've told he Mike knows what it is, but I've sworn him to secrecy. Um, they're, yeah, they're, Josh they're, is becoming a marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the golf ball out of the whale's uh, whale's blowhole. Um, <laughs> there's there's there could be some interesting changes coming that I think will make the show better. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think uh, it, it should make some Ticap fans in particular. I think, uh, I mean, whether or not you like me or not, I don't know. But I think at least the ones that listen to this show probably like me. So I think it'll make you guys pretty excited. So yeah. I, I can't. I'm I can't, excited about it. Actually. Yeah, really can't about can't it. reveal it yet. Uh, nope. Nothing's nothing's official yet. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it too. But uh, yeah, some some interesting changes could be coming that I think will uh, will take the show and and Ticats. Tie cat, take the tie cats, not the team itself, but like talking about the team to a different the level. Coverage, so. right? The coverage, that's the that's the word I was looking for. Here I am, I'm the words guy, and I can't figure out the word. So <laughs> I think I think it'll be for the better of everyone. So uh, hopefully that'll be coming in the next couple of weeks, definitely before the season starts. And Mike, can you believe it? The draft's in like what two weeks, and then yeah, training really camp. Training up. camp's like less than a month away. I know it's wild. It's wild. And, it doesn't seem like you have to wait that long anymore in the off season because. You know, we're getting old, so the time just keeps time getting just faster goes, and faster. Yeah, just flies by. So, uh, yeah, that was Podsky Weaver for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. <laughs>